0: music it seems like it's been a while since we've heard it but maybe not all that long it signals of course the start of the gardening programme and the gardening series here on Mid-West Radio for Saturday mornings for the year
1: 2014 does that signal the start of spring?
0: Uh, it in does, mind? in yeah. my mind, yes. Uh, Porik has already uh, picked up on a little throwaway remark I made between uh, eight and nine this morning when I was said I was a little unsure as to when spring starts because I feel sometimes people might say it's the start of February. Mm. I have heard people say it's the start of March, yeah. but you're clarifying that it's definitely well, it's the start the, of February. It's the first
1: of February officially, but of course it feels more like the first of March, doesn't it? Spring is, well, you know, there were the daffodils, yeah. I think, and the snowdrops, and I think, people associate spring. Yeah, I suppose with it is
0: a little bit climactic. If we got a very mild winter, yeah. you might say spring is starting yeah, in February but yeah. it's been a tough uh, start
1: very wet start
0: it has very yeah, windy wet
1: and, and mild you know it's it's not been good gardening weather let's put it that way it's been very difficult for people to go back out into the garden certain plants have, have come early this year and mm. to flower like the snowdrops that were flowering just before Christmas croaks are in bloom at the moment but it's been so wet and so windy there's you know and, and people it's been very difficult I suppose for people just to get out back on the garden because um, I was actually up with the Tune Gardening Club right. during the week and uh, the we had about 70 or 80 people which was great to see so the enthusiasm is still there the questions are still coming we were there for about two and a half well, hours I, answering questions you can
0: see that as well from this morning already yeah, 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 because they uh, were flowing in from early morning
1: so people are itching to get back into the garden there's a huge pent-up demand to get back into the garden but it's just so wet and, and very difficult to get back on the lawns and, and really do anything in the the garden. So, so they, they have
0: a, do they have a big uh, group of people involved in some yeah, gardening club? There was
1: a great, a great response uh, to the night. About 70, 70 or eighty people uh, attended, and a wide range of questions. But I suppose typically a lot reflecting the questions that we got in this morning. You know, what to do in the garden, what, what, how to control moss, how to control weeds, what people can be doing, the riching to do something. And of course, there's lots that can be done. Mm. Uh, but one of the things actually that came up was they were giving out to me a little bit that uh, some of the products that I mentioned on radio, they can't get locally or okay. they can't source. So, so how, for, d-
0: how do we resolve that? For
1: example, I asked I asked the question, had any of them used any of the Osmo moss remover that we, we talked about last year? And no one in the audience had actually used the product, which surprised me. So one of the things I've actually done this year is, um, on foot of that, it, we're going to make available from Hawkins that we're going to actually deliver stuff this year. So anything I mention on the programme will be available for listeners if they're living in Ackle or Mullish or wherever, in Tume or in Galway, we'll actually deliver the product to their door. So if we're talking about patio magic or we're talking about potatoes or whatever, we'll make sure that that product can be sent directly to the, to the person's home. Um, so I have that arranged. So if people want any, any item that I mentioned today however small mm-hmm. or however big we make sure that that can be delivered so well that's the number, quite a service the number to ring this year is zero nine four nine zero three one four three five. if you ring that number I'll make sure that the team send out any product that I mention that it will make it available this year, so we want that embarrassing situation where people can't get the product. That, she, that
0: I know, because it, and it's it is frustrating <clears throat> for people, I suppose, to be discussing a particular thing that you know is providing a solution to a problem, and then uh, when people do go and trying to get it, that it's not available for them in their local area. So he, that obviously is hopefully going to resolve. Well, that came for up. That came entirely, up the last yeah. night.
1: they were right. asking me where could the where could the sources? Um, so ring that number zero nine four nine zero three one four three five. Any product I mentioned today, or any item. If you can get it locally, just ring that number and we'll make sure it's shipped out here. <coughs> it'll take two to three days and it'll be there on your doorstep.
0: Excellent. And of course, I know it's very hard for people to remember uh, lots of numbers over the airwaves, but we will have that number here in the studio as well. So if it's handier for you guys to ring uh, here. We'll pass that on uh, if there's any confusion. Yeah, so. and
1: remember that the programme today is podcast as well. that The people Indeed. can download it from iTunes mm-hmm. or also from Midwest Radio. Radio. So. Yep. That's handy as well. So I also brought you a little present. Yeah, I so you.
0: there's lots... Uh, he's come with greenery. He always comes uh, with something at the start, I at least to start, of the series. I start off <laughs> on the
1: right foot anyway. So
0: this morning, uh, in anticipation <laughs> of our national holiday... You've brought in some shamrock. I have. And I've brought a range of shamrock.
1: And i brought in this Irish-grown shamrock. So this is this is a plant called Trifolium, which means three leaves, Dubium. So it's the true version of the Irish shamrock. And um, this particular plant has been grown. This one here, I potted up probably six weeks ago. And you can see already it's it has filled the skillet pot that it's grown it's, in. I have
0: to say, it's a lovely little presentation. It's a little black skillet pot about the size of your hand and a lovely little patch of greenery coming out of it.
1: So that's available at the moment so people can get that grow it on the windowsill for the next couple of weeks and then use it on St. Patrick's Day and of course shamrock is a perennial it's a plant that comes year after year so if you plant it in your garden it will grow year after year in that spot Um, shamrock is in the family of clover not all clovers are shamrock but, but shamrock is a form of clover. And clover and, and shamrock like a fairly gritty, sandy type soil. So if you are planting it in the garden, make sure that you put in plenty of sand or grit or, or grow it in a pot mm. somewhere in the garden. It's, it's an easy way to grow it. So those plants, they're, they're available at the moment. And here's a big pot, I, I say from last year. Oh, wow. So you can see how within a year it nearly trebles its size. And again, grown in a pot that can be left on a windowsill or it can be left outside and it'll grow year after and year. And does it
0: need much, K ca- Not really. Not much attention, uh, like you're saying, sandy, gritty soil, so it probably doesn't need a huge amount of water, does it? Or well, it'll need, good it'll drainage.
1: nature will take care of, yeah. the, of that part of it for right. you. It does need good drainage, but clover fixes its own nitrogen, which means that it actually feeds itself. So there's no food that's needed. If anything, if you feed it, actually, you'll encourage the leaves to grow too big and too lush. So they're better off actually starved a little bit. So they do very well in Containers are out in, say, in a rockery area, under hmm. sandy area, somewhere like that. Clover or uh, shamrock thrives very, very well. <clears throat> so that they're available as as plants at the moment. And the other the other variety of shamrock, or the other type we've grown, is uh, a variety that can be actually exported all over the world.
0: Okay, because th- this is unusual in that uh, it's is it hydroponic? Is that what That's you call uh, plants that are grown in water? There you go. You're very. <laughs> good. He was given out to me at the start <laughs> of the program that I don't be learning too much. <laughs> <laughs> I learned the odd thing. Um, hydroponics. Hydroponics. So <clears throat> no soil here. That's
1: the unique thing about that yeah. particular uh, shamrock. So that, that particular one is grown in a special vial in hydroponics, in water, which means it's grown without the soil, which means it can be exported all over the world. So that can be sent to the UK, the States, Canada, any part of Europe, um, anywhere really all over, the, all over the world it can be sent. The only two countries we can not send it to <clears throat> is Australia and New Zealand. That's just because of the distance, by the time it gets there, it's, it begins to... Oh
0: right, they, but they also have very strict uh, regulations Inputation, there yeah, regarding uh, vegetation yeah. as far as I know. Um, so, And this comes in a nice little a little uh, kind of container, the plastic lapel, yeah, and you can button it on. So you can wear it on the day yeah. and,
1: and then you can plant it in the garden afterwards. So if, if listeners have, say, family and friends anywhere in the world and they want to send shamrock to them, if they order it now and they can order it online on hawkins.ie, we'll send it anywhere in the world for them. Okay. So it's available on the website at the moment. So it's just something different again. Lots of people have family and friends all over the world. That shamrock, if you if you order in the next couple of days, will get to people before Christmas or before St Patrick's, Patrick's day. day, and you can then wear it on the day. But more importantly, you can plant it in the garden, saying in America or in England or wherever and grow it on in the, in the garden there as well Okay and the little, so something different the,
0: the little, uh, the little yeah. cover on it um, which one can stick on your lapel via safety pin or something the little yeah. holes at the back of it also has the little bannochthine a fail of whore on it as well so that, that's it. all very something different yeah it's something. a lovely idea and I suppose for people who are away from the island of Ireland on St Patrick's Day there seems to be a greater resonance perhaps sometimes to wear you know to have a little bit of shamrock um, maybe more so than those of us who are actually at, at home. home. Yeah. Um, so that's really a great way to be able to do that. To and wear
1: it but, and then plant it in your be, garden.
0: Exact, in the garden. It. And the fact that uh, you know it's no longer necessary to have the soil aspect of it uh, also kind of circumvents all those other importation things that different countries might have. So, um, so that's our, our, our Shamrock selection. Lots on offer whether you're at home or abroad and Horkins.ie for
1: for if anyone wants to send it abroad, or if you just want a pot of shamrock, drop into one of the local centres and we have them there ready to go at the moment.
0: Perfect, perfect. Right, Are we, we any questions? Uh, We've lots of questions. We might take a very quick uh, okay. break first yep. of all, um, and we'll just remind people again that is here till 10 o'clock and we are open for questions this morning so if you want to text us in it's 087 900 4141 if you want to call us it's 0818 3055 and the email address for the gardening programme is very simply garden at midwestradio.ie now, you are welcome back. It's the gardening program here on Midwest Radio uh, with Porik Horkin and myself between now and 10. I'm asking the questions, and Porik is given the <laughs> advice. I'd just like to clarify yeah. that. Now, we have a good uh, selection of questions, and I know um, it's a bit of a like we talk about perennials. We have a perennial question on this perennial program, problem. and it is called moss. Mos. Yeah, well, again, it's um, we're going to touch on it, we're going to deal with it comprehensively this morning, and then we yeah, might leave it for at least a couple of weeks because I know it's one that comes in. every Every single week we're on the programme Well,
1: particularly this year because again (laughs) it's just down to the high level of of rainfall and the mild conditions and high levels of rainfall favour the spread of moss and that's just the, the perfect conditions that we had this year where you have very very little frost very mild temperatures for the winter the moss starts to grow in October and continues to grow right through the winter because the grass naturally enough has slowed down Mm. it has stopped growing and moss sees that as, as its ideal time so moss you may have very little moss in September and then you go back out on the lawn at Christmas or in January and February and just there's moss everywhere, to be honest, yeah. in every lawn this year.
0: And I notice as well that lawns are very yellow looking at yes. the moment. There's well, a lot you, of that.
1: If you think about it, plants, and this is one of the points I was making to the to the group in Tume, in that mm. the the amount of rainfall we had this year has leached a lot of the nutrient nutrients out of the soil. That constant rainfall. It's like pouring water on a, on a house plant all day long. You're going to wash all the nutrition out of the soil. So plants are going to show not just lawns, but but uh, laurels and shrubs and plants in general are going to show a very yellowish colour this year because they don't have any nutrition. Mm. It's been li- le- literally leached from the soil with the high level of rainfall. So feeding this year is going to be, of any year, it's going to be extremely important, not just on your lawn, but on hedges, on trees and shrubs, on herbaceous plants. Plants in general are going to need a very good feeding because the rainfall has literally washed it. Away. So, feeding is going to be on. So, most lawns are showing that bright yellow colour, which is a, a sign that they're hungry. Hungry, right. right. Now, lawns are very wet at the moment, and my advice really is to stay off them for about another two weeks. Let them dry up a little bit um, before you go tackling the moss problems. So, leave them alone for another two weeks um, and then apply the the moss remover the uh, osmo moss remover so we we featured that last year and if you remember we had a we had a number of of the listeners try the product out and you as tried it I tried it myself I was one
0: of part of that experiment so it'd be
1: interesting to look at your lawn this year and see what's the I would expect some moss to have come back because just down to the
0: yeah, it's actually pollution. not too. I mean, it's a bit. I will say it's a bit uh, yellow looking because uh, you know the the, wa- yeah. the water has really just uh, ran through it, and I actually do have quite a wet lawn uh, where the the lawn is situated. But um, yeah, it's it's not. It's not as bad as it was this time last right. year. Let's oh, put it like go. that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you can even see the quality of the grass is a lot is a lot better than it okay. was. Yeah. Well,
1: that's and that's mm. what I would expect in most lawns. There will be some level of, of, of moss there. So, how to get rid of it? Use the the osmo moss remover. It was very effective last year. You may. It's a good idea to put a small dressing of lime onto the grass first of all. Leave it for a week and then apply the osmo moss remover. That will kill the moss, but more importantly, it doesn't blacken the lawn. It doesn't give you that black appearance that sulphur of iron gives. Um. And you don't need to rake the dead moss because the moss withers after using the moss remover and dies back into the ground. So that's the great benefit of using it. The other thing you'll find is that it's a very good Fertilizer in it, so it'll actually feed the lawn and bring back the color. So you and your own lawn could actually use the Osmo Moss Remover again, even though you've only speckles of moss.
0: Yeah, which it, uh, yeah, because I definitely noticed that not only it definitely to tackle the the moss aspect, but the color, the greener yeah, of the of the rich, lawn afterwards. And um, in comparison to my next door neighbours, I hope they won't mind me saying this, um, but and I know they won't. Um, but you could really see, see the difference. The difference yeah. yeah,
1: so it feeds very slowly, but it feeds. Uh, it feeds, you know, very intensely in terms of the colour. It's very, very rich. It's very dark green. So, really, the advice for lawns at the moment is stay off them for the next two weeks. Do apply then the osmo moss remover. You won't. You don't have to rake it. It'll take about two to three weeks for the moss to die. The, the, the fertiliser will kick in over that period, so you'll get that nice greening effect, and the moss will just wither away. Um, any bare patches that you might have need to be reseeded. So anything that's kind of anywhere bigger than say a saucer, the side of a a, a typical saucer, you would need to reseed those areas. So a little bit of patch magic, which is a product you can get, which is a mixture of lawn seed, fertilizer and compost all mixed together that you simply just brush into the bare areas. That'll germinate through March and start to knit into the lawn again. And that's really all you need to do. The the, the moss from the Osmo moss remover will, will do the feeding for you and get mm-hmm. rid of the moss. And um, for moss in other areas, say you've got moss on tarmacadam slates, tiles, patio areas, tarmac areas, those sort of areas on walls. The hard areas. Hard surface areas, mm-hmm. <clears throat> use the patio magic. Again, that's, we find it very successful and um, it works. And you can actually do use that now if you wish. Patio magic on hard surface areas t- on a dry day. So, tomorrow, for example, is, we're, we're promised a dry morning, or this afternoon, if it's dry for an hour or two, the patio magic will work within seven days. So, if you apply it today, by next weekend, the moss will have died away. Okay. And there's no raking or brushing or anything needed. You just apply it to the area, and that eradicates
0: the problem. Great stuff. So there are the two mm, options, your, really. And, you,
1: and remember, if you can't get those products, just ring that number zero nine four nine zero three one four three five, and we'll make sure we'll get the, it out to you if, you if needs be.
0: Perfect. Um, so hold off on. Just to recap, so we're going to hold off on the on the grass end of things for the yeah, moment. I would just because it's, it's still a bit too wet, still really, isn't very it? Wet. No, yeah.
1: there may be listeners that the lawn but they're just in a okay, particularly good yeah. area and it's well drained and they can get out there. But in general, most lawns, you're better to stay off it until the water levels. You will know yourself when you actually just stand on the lawn if it's squelching get off it if it's not then by all means you can actually apply the Osmo Moss Remover now like if you wish if your lawn is ready to take it but in most lawns uh, for example in my garden the front lawns are dry mm. but the, it's the back lawns that are very wet. wet so I'll stay off that for another another two oh. weeks okay great stuff and you'll be, you'll be surprised how quick things will dry out 10 days of particularly we're promised a little bit of frost now a little bit of kind of frost and windy weather will help to dry <laughs> up the ground very quickly so 10 days 14 days you'd be surprised how things will dry
0: up and the beta frost will also help break up the soil, I suppose. It does. We're
1: actually promised frost. I, I didn't hear it in your weather forecast. Today. No,
0: and I thought I was going to have <coughs> this morning, but I was quite pleased to see that we didn't. Because
1: <laughs> well, it's a hard
0: one for me on a Saturday morning if it's frosting.
1: Yeah, but tonight we're promised severe frost. So if okay. listeners have, okay. say, bedding plants or tomato plants or if they've sowed any geraniums or bizilises and have them out in a greenhouse or in an unprotected area, you need to cover them with, f- with fleece. With, with garden fleece just to protect them. So there is frost tonight and I think Sunday night. So any any delicate plants that you might have out that might be frost sensitive, which really at this time of year would be things like seedlings or young tomato plants. If they're out in your greenhouse or polytunnel, make sure you cover them.
0: It's lovely. Okay, we're going to leave moss there and uh, to our Balahadrine gardener who advised us not to get too bogged down in the moss but, this morning. And remember, if, yeah. if
1: people need advice on it, go on to our website, horkins.ie. Because
0: um, so you've got some fact sheets there as we have well, fact haven't We
1: yeah. yeah. So if you yeah. go onto the site, horkins.ie, put in Moss, it'll show you a number of fact sheets and advice and it'll explain exactly what I've, I've said there and what to do with the, with, with the moss with, this yeah. year. Yeah,
0: and, and if you're using the Osmo, the pro It tells you how syndrome, to use yeah. that,
1: how, how okay. to do that as well.
0: Great. Let's move on then. Um, and somebody who is a fan of salad potatoes right, and lovely. they're wondering, is it possible to grow them themselves? What seeds should they use? Actually, we've quite a few potato pla- uh, questions for us. we the so time of year. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of come to them together maybe. Um,
1: so they're salad, right? Yeah, salad ones. Yeah. What
0: seeds do they need uh, and how will we go about planting them? Well,
1: the, well, the tubers are are available for all sea potatoes at the moment and and you, typically with, with salad potatoes you're looking for something with a, a more waxy um, kind of solid flavour um, and texture so it, it's not flowery um, so a good variety it's a lovely one called Pink Apple Fir Pink Apple Fir, it's an old variety of, of um, potato but a, a very nice variety, it can be used traditionally as a, as a uh, potato that you can cook and steam and, and eat normally but it also makes terrific salad potatoes uh, potatoes as well. It's got that lovely waxy flavour. Another good var- variety called Nicole and Charlotte. They're three good varieties, but pink apple for, for me would be probably one of the best. And, and generally potatoes at this time of year, again, the soil is extremely wet. So really what you should be doing with, with them at this time of year is just sprouting them, getting them out of their packets, putting them onto seed trays, putting them into a bright location, somewhere like a garage shed with a bright sunny wall or into your greenhouse or into your polytunnel and encourage those young sprouts to start Uh, And again, about the middle of March is the time really start getting them into the ground. Or indeed, if you had a couple of containers, say you want to grow them in a a couple of pots or Mm. tubs, then get some regular compost, mix some potato fertilizer through that and put about five tubers into a typical tub or bucket and grow the potatoes that way. It's a great way of growing them, having them close to the house, particularly early varieties those that you, you're, you want to be picking, say, in June, early July, great way to grow them is in tubs or raised beds. And you could actually tackle that job now. So you can plant them if soil conditions allow, and particularly in pots and containers and raised beds, you'll, you'll be able to work the soil there. But for regular planting out into ridges or beds, leave that alone until... Um, in the middle of March just get them sprouted now
0: Lovely Now can we ask are King Edwards and Epicure potatoes still to be got?
1: They are they are yeah they're still still available and a lot of the old varieties still are like uh, King Edward goes back to the turn of the century um, so that's a really good main crop variety um, it's actually a very good variety as well where people are troubled by slugs and uh, when I was on with Tommy two weeks ago, we had a listener ring in about uh, the the uh, Neil slug that t- attacks potatoes. So if that listener tries King Edwards, it's a particularly good variety. It's a slug resistant r- variety and a really nice potato. It's a real flowery variety. Um, Epicure is something similar. It's got a very flowery texture, a big, big potato, but it's an early variety. So both are available for planting. Um, Epicure is actually quite good against scab, which is that kind of um, d- marking on the, the skin. So it, it it so again if your soil is um, if it's susceptible to scab then try the Epicure variety. It's a really good early variety, big potato. Actually, the two varieties work very well together because Epicure's come in and normally about the first week of July, second week of July, and King Edwards is a late main crop variety. You're harvesting it in October, September, October. Okay, sort so of you're period. spreading out exactly. your harvest. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly, and they're both the, the listener obviously likes a flowery spud because they're uh, they're real flowery varieties and very big yielders as well so they're they're not around i suppose for 100 years for for, n- for nothing, for no, for nothing. <laughs> so they're so they're still available very very good choice particularly if you yeah. if if slugs are a problem the king edwards would be highly advisable and
0: the epicure, if you, if epicure for, if to, for the scab for
1: scab and if you want something early and you want something <coughs> with a really good yield or
0: sometimes people like to eat the skins I'm a big skin eater of potatoes yeah. and uh, it's nice if you have a nice decent skin on it you know the, yeah, and, and well, threatened this, by something else yeah
1: and particularly there. on the early varieties the skins would be very thin yeah. so they're yeah. you know
0: uh, a listener got a lovely red type of potato last year pork in Horkins it grew very well in the raised bed the skin was red the flesh was white, white. could we ask the name please well there's,
1: there's two that come to mind the first one is is uh, Satanta, which I would have featured here last year. And particularly because it's it's particularly good because it's um, blight resistant. So it's a, an extremely, it's probably the best blight resistant potato uh, on the market today, Satanta. Um, so you don't need to spray it at all. It's red. It's actually, um, the parent is rooster. Ah, right. but unlike rooster the, the, the actual flesh then is white so the skin is red but the flesh is, is white and it's, it's a really nice variety and um, the other one that comes to mind would be Sapra exona which again is a red skinned potato um, it's a Hungarian variety mm-hmm. it's on the market for probably the last six or seven years again very good blight resistance um, and again a white flesh so either of the two but Satanta for me would be a better potato try that one again it's, it's really really
0: good and another listener um, is welcoming back the show. Thank good. you indeed. Um, and in, just in general, a good early potato that they can grow in pots. So we've had salad potatoes. We have the ones that are resistant. Right. We have the red ones. Okay. Uh, so just a general early potato. <laughs> well, if
1: you want to, a couple of good early ones. And I suppose the great thing about the earlies is that they mature very quickly. They're suitable for growing in pots, containers, raised beds or out in the garden soil. Um, as you said, you can eat the skin and all. That the skin is so thin on mm. the varieties and they've got that beautiful new potato taste. That, you know, that really lovely early potato. So for me, the best are Sharps Express, which again is an old variety, super flavour. Red Duke of York, which is a lovely, lovely variety, great flavour on that as well. Orla, which is an Irish variety and Colleen, both Irish varieties which are blight resistant and, and really nice. And, um, they're there, and Epicurus, of course, has an early as well. But they're probably then the other one that I really like in particular, it's a second early, is one called British Queen, which is very, very flowery. It's the, it's the potato you see sold on the side of the road, the Wexford potato. Right. In, they normally sell it about the middle of June, June late, yeah. Yeah, late June, early July. And it's a second early, so it's coming in just after the others, about two weeks later. But a super variety, balls of flower, you know, nearly bursts when. when,
0: when yeah, yep. it's
1: that type of variety. So. Orla Colleen, Duke of York, Sharps Express, um, British Queen. Go to your local garden centre. They've got them in, in available at the moment. And as I said, if you want to grow them in pots and containers, get them into the, into the compost now straight away. Put them in in two layers. So if you put them in a pot, put a, six inches of, of compost with a bit of potato fertilizer, put in three tubers, put another six inch layer of compost on top of that, another three tubers. And then on the very top of the container, plant maybe a few salads, things like lettuce or something that'll be quick to mature So in, and leave the pot outside on your patio somewhere bright and sunny mm-hmm. um, nature will look after it because it'll get enough moisture and, and let it grow on and you'll have lovely, lovely potatoes to pick in late June mid June probably from June onwards
0: and of those varieties that you've just <laughs> mentioned <laughs>
1: which is your favourite <laughs> we've got
0: I? no no, no, go no <laughs> but is there any ones in particular I know you mentioned epicure for heavy, heavy cropping potatoes
1: well epicures are terrific that's probably the best Heavy crop. Most of the early varieties don't produce a huge crop. They tend to be small, slightly smaller potatoes, kind of a little bit bigger than, say, egg size. Well, mm. it depends how long you leave them in the ground. But Epicures for me, if you want a really high yielding, large cropping uh, early, it's the best. And it's round for, for yonks. So it's, you know, it's a true and tested variety. Okay. It's, it probably is better in the ground rather than in pots. Because it's because of its size,
0: right? And have we any one? I think this person would like a pot. Uh, well, heavy, heavy cropping in one in a pot. Well,
1: the well, Sharp's Express gives a reasonable return, mm. and or- Orla and Colleen would be too good. They they produce quite good sized, nice sized potatoes. Okay. Leave them that extra bit longer. Yeah. So don't harvest them. Maybe, you know, at the beginning of June, leave them till the end of June, and you will get a bigger, more robust right. um, potato. Yeah you will, yeah. Okay. The better yield.
0: I, I think that's uh, well covered. The potato side of things. Yeah, But uh, now is the time really. Yeah. If
1: you, and, and a lot of people have gone back. It, it surprised me even with the very wet weather, the amount of potatoes that people are still buying. And even last year, remember we had a tough spring.
0: Yes, very potatoes, tough. The yeah. amount of
1: potatoes that... Uh, that um, people purchased and planted now it was a very good year for potatoes because the summer came good so people actually had a very good success and it's probably on the back of that that a lot of listeners are back planting them again this Mm. year to
0: try and do the same again Yeah, fingers crossed that we have and they're uh, worth
1: growing because the the, um, flavours are just you know it was one of the criticisms when I was in with Tommy he was talking about um, one of the trends is that people are going away from eating potatoes the actual amount of potatoes purchased are going down but the problem is the selection within the shops can be quite limited Said, to,
0: well, this, uh, that's actually very true because yeah. uh, in our house, uh, some people like a particular kind of potato and nearly nothing else will do. And then when you go looking for them, they're not always available. No. And and, and, the, and the selection is maybe only two or three varieties. That's it.
1: Yeah. And it, it tends to be based on things that will store well and look well rather than on flavour. So a lot of the varieties I mentioned there mm are old traditional varieties, but the flavours are superb. You will not get taste them in you won't see the likes of Sharp or very seldom you'll see the likes of Sharps Express or Duke of York available in shops to buy as I don't think I've don't.
0: ever seen them to be honest. Yeah. yeah. yeah you, know, you get yeah.
1: British Queens all right yeah. and you get home guards, but so it's worth trying. Grow okay. a few of them.
0: Great. Um we're going to move on to herbs. Uh, a listener would love to start off some herbs from the kitchen or for the kitchen. Is it safe to plant them now? What types would you advise?
1: Well, it's safe to plant any of the frost hardy varieties, and there's there's a huge range. I mean things like parsley, thyme, oregano, all the popular herbs. and uh, generally when people are starting off at herbs, think about the the types that you're going to use. So, you know, thyme and rosemary and bay leaf and parsley, chives, um, oregano, they're the more popular ones and they're the ones really to, to start off. And they do very well in containers. Mm. So you can simply pot them up in a window box or a round container, leave them out on the patio that they're ready to pick then whenever you, you want to pick them. And herbs favour being picked on a very regular basis so don't let them don't neglect them because they get very woody and they lose their flavours the more you pick them during the growing season the better they do so a great time to plant them the only thing you would be avoiding would be varieties like basil which is frost sensitive and won't be available anyway Mm -hmm. until April so yeah good time to plant them they're available in garden centers at the moment um, and do super in pots and containers so it's a great time to plant them up you know, if you pot them if you pot them now, within three or four weeks, you'll, you'll be able to start going out and start taking, taking some bit, early pickings uh, off yeah. them. Yeah, and then right through the, every two to three weeks, you'll be able to take new, fresh pickings off them.
0: Yeah, there's nothing like having a few herbs outside and be able to go out and pull them. Exactly. And, uh, particularly when you're making, I don't know, like a big Sunday dinner or something like that. Um, particularly when
1: they're in a, in a pot, a pot yeah, uh, close to the kitchen, you're going to make use of them. So leave them outside in a pot, put two or three different varieties in the one pot. That's totally acceptable. And the bit of competition between them actually favours the herbs. So put maybe five varieties into a window box or four varieties into a window box or a round pot and grow them that way, four different varieties.
0: And it also looks very good.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Listener has lots of begonia bulbs they saved from last summer. Right. Now yeah. they were stunning and they're wondering, can they split them up to make more? And when do they pop them?
1: Well, now is the time to start. A bit, like, a bit like the sea potatoes, you do exactly the same thing. So take the tubers out now and um, make sure that they're, they're still firm, that they haven't rotted over the winter and most of them should come through, no problem at all. But going bulbs tend to double their size. Um, so the listener is probably dealing with a bulb that might be four or five inches in diameter at this stage. And that can be split at least in, in half mm-hmm. or you could split it up, make three from it, split, split it up in thirds. So what you're looking for is a piece of the bulb and a little eye. a little little sprout. So what I would do is place them on a warm windowsill, let them sprout. When you see the little red buds coming, that's the indication to split them in two. Then they can be potted up, grown on a windowsill and planted out of doors, no sooner than about the middle of May. Right. So they are frost sensitive, so don't put them out. So you need to be growing them on in a windowsill, in a greenhouse tunnel, somewhere protected over the next couple of uh, months and uh, then plant them out from about the middle of May onwards. Whenever the frost has passed, it's time to get them out. But begonias are great because the flower then, right through to October,
0: and November. Yeah, and they're very vibrant colours few, as well. Brilliant. Yeah.
1: And even in a wet year, if we do get a wet summer, they still perform extremely well. The, the, the flowers don't get destroyed by, by um, wet rain. So they're, they're probably one of the best bedding plants. So now is it. Get them potted. You split them and then get them potted up and, and off you go.
0: Lovely. A listener has put a new border of soil in her mum's garden or his mum's garden. She'd like some summer flowers from June to October and has suggested uh, that they grow uh, this flowers from seeds. Can this be done? Oh, I can.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. What the listener needs to look for is hardy annuals. Which and the word that it's uh, as the name suggests, hardy means that they're frost hardy. You can mm-hmm. put them directly into the soil. Now I would guess that the soil is still a bit wet and and uh, unworkable at the moment. So maybe again leave it for another ten days to two weeks. Once the soil, you can put a rake through it and it and it goes through it easily. That's the time that you can sow the seeds. And there's a wide variety of seeds available. And um, so look for the word hardy annual on the back of of the packet. So you're th- you're dealing with things like um, limnanthus, the poached eggplant, English marigolds, um, stocks. There's a whole range of, of hardy annuals that will flower from about the middle of June right through to October. Or you can also buy, um, there's, there's actually a pack called Easy Flowers, made by Groshure, which is a collection of different seeds. There's about 30 different seeds. So the seeds have been already pre-selected they be mixed in a in a in a packet with compost and fertilizer. So all the listeners, actually, that's probably the handiest thing to do is to get get a pack of. They don't say how big the border is, do they?
0: They don't know. Right.
1: Well, from memory, the the um, easy flowers cover sixteen square meters, which is four by four meters by four meters. Oh, right, Yeah. You know, or one meter by sixteen meters. So it's actually quite a, 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 a substantial spot, yeah. area. Yeah. So within that pack, you've got about 25 to 30 different seed varieties and you've got the fertiliser and the compost so you simply just sprinkle it onto the ground rake it in and let nature take its course It's
0: called Easy Flowers
1: Yeah how easy is that? Well that is pretty easy I actually featured it the reason it comes back to Mm. memory is I featured it uh, last week on TV3 Uh, I showed that there's actually two packets Mm. one a very vibrant colour and one more pastel blues and whites and pinks as a collection so that's probably the easiest thing so leave it for two weeks rake the soil over get yourself a pack of easy flowers sprinkle them onto the area if the seeds will take about three weeks to germinate and they should come into flower from about the end of may early june right through till October sounds, this year
0: sounds perfect and that's exactly what they would like June so, to October if well there, possible well that's yeah. the,
1: they'd be ideal well most of the summer bedding would go right up to we get the hard okay. frost and that'll be October early November okay. so look for that one
0: Easy Flowers it's,
1: it's made from grocer and it comes in, in a pack and you so simply you just, just sprinkle, sprinkle it on, on spread it over the area and rake it in
0: we're going to take a quick break on Easy Flowers and come back to more questions after these you're very welcome back Porik just as we were talking about the old easy flowers there somebody uh, has texted in they're wondering can they get them uh, from the garden centre can they be delivered oh they
1: can we can send those we can post those out so if the listener wants to ring um, 09490 31435 we can post those out to them no problem at all just ring that number and it'll be dealt with
0: stuff. Um now a little technical question here um which I think has a fairly easy answer from a gardener's point yeah. of view. Um so not to get bogged down in this either but what are the new changes to legislation in relation to the application of chemicals example Roundup, fungicides, insecticides and uh, will they be able to get them in Horkins um or is 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 it more complex or well, What's the story? The
1: department are bringing out new legislation, and rightly so, to control the use of professional products. So things like Roundup in, in Roundup by Active, or any of the sprays that typically farmers or landscapers will, will use. Um, for the for the gardener, it's not going to make any difference. Right. So if you're using ordinary garden chemicals, ordinary garden treatments, you know things like Rose Claire and the typical ones that our gardeners would be using. This the legislation doesn't apply to them. It's only if people are using professional products, those that would be used by farmers. So those in, in litre size or bigger the legislation will apply to and and people will be expected to have either uh, professional status as in they have to be a landscaper or they have to be a farmer with a herd number. Okay. So it'll really, it'll probably so apply more
0: about, from a commercial point. Of yeah, view, really.
1: it'll probably apply more to, to the to, to co-ops and to hardware stores that are selling oh, to people that might be in, but for gardeners using your typical rose clearer or your slug pellets your tomato feeds or anything like that, you just, stick with what what you've been using.
0: Yeah, and I suppose really the retailer will know They'd at the end of you. the day as to whether you can purchase that particular product exactly, or not. Exactly. So that's because you'll have to have your hard yeah, number but or for, whatever it is. But for
1: most gardeners, they any of those packs are generally too big they're yeah. too large and, and they stick to the, the regular sizes.
0: Okay great hopefully that answers the question and we might pass that information on and maybe it can get addressed in another way maybe yeah. from the commercial point of view or from uh, the agricultural side of things uh, elsewhere um, on one of the other programmes. Now can we plant garlic now?
1: You can yeah garlic is actually one of the plants that should be planted early as early as possible and um, so you know Depending on soil conditions but if your soil is workable certainly you can plant garlic and it will tolerate a fair bit of wet ground anyway so yeah get it into the ground as early as possible the alternative is to pot it up you know when you buy the cloves in the garden centers you just split them up as you would for cooking so one garlic clove will make five plants and you come with them into small pots grow them on the greenhouse or the tunnel for a couple of weeks if you wish and then plant them out into the garden or if the work soil is workable then put them straight out the the frost Hardship won't affect gardening. They're as hardy as Real old tough plants. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, um, here is a question on roses. There's one or two on roses, and actually somebody rang me yesterday as well uh, for a question on roses, which is similar <laughs> to this one. <laughs> Wasn't forgetting about it. I promise. Um, the listeners have roses, and they're still budding. Yeah. So people are wondering should they cut back roses at this stage Yes. or what, yeah, what, and, and what that, do we do?
1: That's been a feature this year hmm. with the mild winter a lot of roses have continued to flower a lot of them have held their foliage through the winter yeah, period
0: Yeah and actually my my caller yesterday had one big rose with a, one big bloom on it right. now I think it's just a single bloom yeah. but they're wondering what, what do they do there?
1: Well all they do is enjoy the bloom let it flower, but roses need to be pruned and they need to be pruned quite severely. So, and the fact that they're kind of sprouting into growth we're often worries people that if they cut that out, will they reshoot again? Right. And the answer is yes, they will. So cut them hard back. So if you've got your typical trumpeter or cariciae or your tri- your typical rose in the garden, rose bush, flower carpet, for example, or any of the typical hybrid teas or floribundas, you need to be pruning them back. That's a job that can be done this weekend. Even with the wet ground, you can go out and prune your roses, tidy them up. Um, So shorten them back to within a foot of ground level and uh, disregard any new growth or any flowers that might be on them. So tidy them up. Firm them in as well because a lot of roses have got wind rocked this year. And in the next two weeks, you want to be putting on your rose feed. So get on your your, uh, sudden impact uh, fertilizer and give the, the rose a bit of a boost and get it back in good condition
0: again. Okay so get busy that's a job yeah, definitely pruning, that like do. pruning
1: yeah. you know that's something I, I cover that extensively uh, with with the guys in Tume and there was great interest in that and it it uh, it, can, it can sometimes confuses people well, when do I prune mm. and what do I prune but it is quite simple uh, and now is a really good time of year to get out and start tidying plants back and getting them particularly things like roses fruit trees uh, gooseberries, blackcurrants, all of those sort of plants all benefit from a bit of a tidy up now.
0: And laurel hedges, somebody's wondering about that, nice and green but a bit leggy. Yeah we'll cut them
1: back, trim them back now uh, shorten them back so they've, you know, and they've been probably putting on a small bit of growth over the winter period so yes, by all means, trim them back now, tidy them back and again, as I said earlier, feeding would be very important with them this year, you're going to see yellow shoots so give them a, a dressing of the Osmo Pro 6 or a good tree and shrub fertiliser and that'll bring it back into good condition again.
0: Great. Now, we're going to stay with laurels for a second. Um, Somebody has Portuguese laurels. Well, they're wondering about Portuguese laurel hedge on a south-facing wall. What fertilisers should they use? How close should they plant them to the wall? And are they slow-growing? Thomas, good morning. Well,
1: first of all, they're they're relatively slow-growing compared to other laurels. So, your typical garden laurel will put anything up from, as you know, from a foot to 15 inches or 18 inches per year. But Portuguese laurels are great because they grow about 6 inches per year. Now, the fact that it's south-facing and it's against a wall you might expect a little bit extra growth per mm. year because it's so protected and so sheltered Um so first of all they're relatively slow growing they're evergreen it makes a super hedge a really great hedge i would keep it out from the wall for about a meter if you can spare that bit of space right. because you've got foundations there at the base of the wall and you want to give the plants enough of a root run to for them to do well so keep them out at least a meter from the wall itself the easiest thing if it's a run is to spray that area off the, the ground area off with a bit of weed free 360 um, and that can be done on the next dry day. That will kill the, any grass that's there within a week. Mm-hmm. And then the Portuguese laurels can be safely planted into that area. When you're planting them, I would use the sea fertilizer. It's very good. It's an organic seaweed and um, chicken manure-based fertiliser, very good for when planting plants. So put about a handful, handful and a half of that in to each planting hole when you're planting the Portuguese laurels and keep the plants around two feet apart would be a good spacing for them to knit in together. So a metre out from the the, uh, wall, Mm -hmm. spray off that area uh, with a bit of the Weed Free 360, leave it for a week and then dig the soil, put in your plants, put in some Seamungus fertiliser and that's all you've got to do. And the idea of spraying the weeds off is that it, it stops the grass growing up around the base of the plants during the growing season and it also won't rob the fertiliser that you're adding to the plants as well. So you're starting with a nice clean foundation and the Weed Free 360 doesn't contaminate the soil. So, so li- you can plant, s- plant it in a couple of weeks. Yeah, wait for the grass to die yeah. but you can plant factory effectively straight away. Yeah,
0: Excellent. Uh, a listener has an apple garden. They Great. don't want to sow a lawn underneath the trees. Right. What could they just set instead? Well,
1: well first of all, I suppose the, <laughs> there's no harm in sowing a lawn if, if they wish. Some people worry that the grass might take from the apple mm. trees and it, it won't really. Um, so you can do that. But if, if you don't, because the, if you don't put a lawn in just for the maintenance point of view, a good idea is actually to plant, which I've done myself, is put in other fruit trees at the base of the apples. So, for example, rhubarb would work very well, gooseberries, uh, some of the dwarfer blackcurrants, blueberries would work very well. Uh, so kind of the shorter bushier fruit. So you have your apple trees with a nice clean stem of maybe three feet mm-hmm. and then branching out and then underneath that you plant in other fruit trees. So it's very good use of, of the space of both. And also then when you're treating the apple trees say for, it's, it's advisable to give them a treatment to keep any bugs or any uh, disease off them you're also treating the other fruit trees as well. So it's a very good way of kind of keeping the fruit together in one location. So that's what I've done myself and I find it very successful. Just maybe a dozen apple trees and then round the base of each of them, plant a collection of say three or four gooseberry plants, three or four blackcurrant plants, some blueberries, Whatever strawberries, if you wish, rhubarb, and you might think that, they, that they'll take from the apple trees, but they won't, right?
0: And, and they the apple trees won't uh block light or anything like that, no, no, yeah. no, no,
1: they won't, no, right. no, because you're going to be keeping most of the apple trees, the modern apple trees are fairly well behaved, Good. they don't get too big, right. they don't get too gangly. You'll be doing a certain amount of pruning on them mm. anyway, but mm. no, they won't stop the light. um to the bay, no, yeah. no, no, no. Okay. no, no. And it means when you're feeding the other fruit trees, you're feeding your apple trees as well. It's a really good way of companion planting. Is that a good oh,
0: word? Oh, that's lovely. That a nice yeah, word? that's a really nice companion word. Companion planting.
1: Right. And you've got all your fruit together. When the bees are in around pollinating the blackcurrants, they're visiting the, the apples. You know,
0: it's it's a good way. So everybody's using. benefiting. Everybody's happy. <sighs> that's the way you want it. A <laughs> uh, listener has apple trees as well. All di- all different varieties. They're all producing apples, but they're very sour. Oh, that's,
1: well, it depends on the varieties that they're they're using. Yeah. Um, I mean, some really... Well good...
0: looked after, they say.
1: Okay, well, it's, it's unusual that the apples are going sour. Uh, like, the, the apples, like any other fruit, they get sweeter the longer they're left on the plant. And, you know, for most apple trees, when you're harvesting them, the trick is to lift the apple, and it should come away in your hand fairly readily, not to pick them too early, because any apple will be, if it's picked too ripe, yeah. will be tart. Um, some of the, the kind of best flavoured varieties, if you want something really kind of sweet apples, um, Beauty of Bath is a very sweet apple. James Greave is a really good one. Uh, Egmont Rosset will be one of my favourite apples. Green Sleeves. So any of those varieties produce well-tasting apples. There's nothing you can do apart from allowing them to ripen properly to improve the flavour. Yeah. So really, at this time of year, what I would be doing with apple trees is pruning them back. So giving them a... Uh, taking back any kind of whippy growth they made last year, feeding them with a high potash feed, because potash is the element that encourages flowering and fruiting in plants. And then as they come into leaf and after they go out of flower, give them an odd treatment of something like rose clear or uh, any fungicide just to keep any bugs or pests off them. And that's what you've got to do. Okay.
0: A listener is wondering, Martina, good morning. How do I feed hydrangeas that hardly flower? Uh, there's, they're over 30 years in age. Right. Uh, they used to throw turf ash on them or at times cattle or horse manure.
1: Yeah, well, the horse manure and cattle manure will only encourage a lot of leafy growth. Okay. Right. With hydrangeas, you want to encourage lots of blooms, lots of flowers. So you want high potash fertilizer. Now, the wood ash, that was the often, turf ash, the yeah, the turf ash, mm. right? There'll be a certain amount of potash in that, mm. small, very small element. So, what I would do is actually get a, a tub of sudden impact. It's a really good fertilizer for all flowering plants. It's normally used on roses, but it's excellent on hydrangeas, fuchsias, uh, anything that blooms, um, it's really good on. And you'd apply that at this time of year. And for a 30-year-old plant, it's a very established plant, you'd reapply it then in May as well. So give it two very generous feeds. And that, the element in, in, in Sudden Impact, the potash element, will bring that plant back okay. into flower.
0: Okay, yeah. great. So it's probably just that it's getting too much nitrogen and not enough potash. Well,
1: well, if you're using a lot of pharma mm. of manure, like it's great for potatoes, for rhubarb, anything that you want lots of leafy growth, organic matter is fantastic. Or when you're planting plants initially mm. to get them growing, say for the Portuguese laurel hedge, you know, some organic matter is great to put into the trench when you're planting it. But in terms of feeding plants, and particularly where you want flowers, flowers. potash is the element that you want to encourage.
0: Now, somebody's wondering about green polytunnels. Are they good for growing plants or what would the advice on polytunnels well, be? Well,
1: polytunnels, generally the better tunnels are... Um, the reason they're green is to give a certain amount of shade. OK, and...
0: But does that have a negative effect then in terms it, of the amount of light you get in? It does at
1: this time of year. Right, yeah. It does at this time of year. So, generally, I would advise the like all the growers would use the, the the polythene, the proper clear or it's kind of a milky colour yeah. polythene to grow the plants Saying We generally don't get the light levels in Ireland to cause, to, to, to need for the necessity of shade, if anything, um, you know, you want to kind of, kind of keep the cool temperatures. So I would favour a clear, like a greenhouse, I would favour, favour a clear polythene tunnel. That's what I use myself, find it terrific um, and never have a need to shade plants we never get that intensity of sunlight that's going to damage the plants through a polytunnel so i think you'll find those better now the the green tunnels will be good for shade loving plants so if you have things like camellias or rhododendrons, or something you might want to put into them but in general you're better with a clear tunnel Tunnel. right For, for, for things like tomatoes or geraniums things that want good light levels fruiting plants and flowering plants hanging baskets for example you're better with a high level of light intensity and for listeners that have even clear greenhouses or or polytunnels they often get a bit of algae or moss on them Mm. it's often a good idea to treat that to get that off to wash that off because that again is taking the light from the the plants okay so the the more the brighter the light the better the light getting into the plants the better they're going to do
0: very good um probably finish on this one um my garden is badly flooded i've access to a lot of sawdust would it do any harm to spread it on the garden
1: no, uh, no, 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 not bother. advisable. No, no, yeah. don't no. It, it, what what sawdust would do by adding sawdust, it would actually lock up a lot of the fertilizer. While while it's breaking down, it would actually take nitrogen fertiliser from your, your um, from the soil. Yeah. So no, it's it's not going to be of no look, no,
0: just it'll just be wait, make it worse.
1: Wait, patience, two weeks. You know you will be it'll amazed go. how quickly right. there'll be a day you'll walk out and it'll just be you know, it'll have drained away. Right. So uh, no, that's not gonna solve the problem. You okay. know, you could consider when things get drier in the middle of the summer, putting in a couple of uh, little land drains or areas to help with the, with the, the drainage, with the drainage. Yeah. but no, water, uh, sawdust won't, won't, won't add it. any benefit. It's
0: in fact, it will just do yeah, the opposite. Yeah, it'll lock up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so, before we finish, we have, it's shamrocks for uh, Shamrog well, for Shamrogh, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: the plants are available at the moment mm-hmm. if you want to grow them on your own windowsill, but more importantly, if you want to send some to a... Family and friends uh, in the, anywhere abroad, then we have plants that are exportable, so we can send them to the states, to um, England in particular. We're getting a lot of orders actually in from England for the plants, so they can be sent in the next couple of days, and they're available on the website hawkins.ie. Or if you any of the products that I mentioned today, zero nine four nine zero three one four three five, and uh, we'll get the stuff set out
0: here. Great stuff and if you missed anything the programmes are being broadcast as well so available here at midwest Radio.ie or indeed from iTunes. Porek thanks indeed, uh, thanks, we're back, back again next, next Saturday. Saturday. morning. Yeah, until, again. until then have yourselves a great weekend good morning uh, and stand by Michael Neary is on the way with Country Classics after the news at 10.